Okay, let's uh, say hello to Stephen Brusati, the paleontologist and evolutionary biologist who specializes in dinosaurs, but has also written an amazing book about mammals. We'll talk about that. He's got a kid's book out for um, kids and, uh, frankly, all of us about dinosaurs as well. And he is a, a proud graduate. Boy, they sure are proud of him at Ottawa Township High School. He's going to be appearing March 6th at Prairie Fox Books, but I don't think you can get a ticket it says, Stephen will be in town for one night only to see us here at the bookstore. He's the OTHS graduate who's gone on to discover numerous dinosaur species, teach at the University of Edinburgh, and even consult on Jurassic Park Dominion, prairiefoxbooks.com to find out more. Stephen, it's John Williams. You're on WGN. Welcome to the show. John, it's a pleasure to be on here chatting to my uh, favorite hometown radio station. Yeah, no kidding. Well, that's nice of you to say. Uh, you kind of grew up in these parts, right? I did. So now I live in Scotland. I've lived in Scotland for a decade. I teach at the University of Edinburgh, this grand old university that's been around since the 1500s. But uh, I grew up in, in Ottawa, Illinois. Uh, and uh, it's always a, a thrill when I can come home. I don't get to come home too often, but I'm here now to do uh, some talks um, at different uh, bookshops like Prairie Fox back home in Ottawa, but also a few other events. And I'm here with my wife and with my little toddler, Anthony, uh, who's three years old, and he's getting to spend some time with his cousins and his uncles and aunts and grandparents. So it's a whole lot of fun. Is he developing an accent then? Does he sound like an American or a Scot? <laughs> well, it's funny. He's starting to develop a little bit. So, I mean, I'm from here. Uh, my wife is from England, uh, and Anthony's growing up in Scotland. So right now he has a confused, muddled <laughs> way of speaking, uh, but he will he'll develop a nice, beautiful Scottish brogue, I'm sure, as he grows up. Edinburgh is a lovely town. I've been there uh, once or two, a couple times, and I've always thought that it, you fully expect to see Harry Potter at any turn, you know? Well, Edinburgh certainly milks the whole Harry Potter thing. So, you know, the, the books were written uh, mostly in Edinburgh and a lot of the settings in the books, uh, you know, the different, the Wizarding School and everything are based on places in, in, in Edinburgh. And uh, if you visit Edinburgh now, you will see a Harry Potter shop on yeah. almost every corner. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, you know, I was reading, I must have been your book about dinosaurs, but you talked about, do I recall correctly, like first falling in love with the idea when you were picking up rocks in Cole City or Wilmington, south in Will County, which I did as a kid and really loved that too. Is that where you kind of began your journey? That's right. So I talk about this in, in this book that I wrote called The Rise and Fall of the Dinosaurs, and then in, in the new book I've written about mammals, which is called The Rise and Reign of the Mammals. And they're both pop science books, by the way. They're not textbooks or academic books. They're meant for everybody. Uh, and I talk about growing up in central uh, Illinois and um, going out collecting fossils when I was a teenager. And that's what really got me smitten with paleontology, going out, collecting my own fossils. There are lots of fossils that you can find in northern and central Illinois, and some of the best are in the vicinity of Wilmington, which is where my mother's from. Uh, there's a, a, a tributary of the Illinois River there called Mazan Creek, yep. and some of the world's best fossils. And these things are, are really old, by the way. These fossils are older than the dinosaurs. They're almost 300 million years old. There's fossil plants. There's fossil insects. There's fossil jellyfish. There's all kinds of incredible fossils, and you can still find them mostly uh, in the spoil piles from the old coal mines. 
about that. Okay, let's pause here. Uh, you know, your book about dinosaurs is fascinating and interesting and revelatory. I think the book about mammals is even more so because if you think a giant asteroid or meteor the size of Mount Everest hit Earth and almost killed everything, wiped out the dinosaurs, how did that not bake all of the mammals? How did any of us get here? And I just thought it was so well done. In a few pages, you described what you said was the worst day in Earth's history. Just tell us a little bit about what that was like, and also tell us about your kids' book. Are you going to be speaking in um, Chicago, too? Are you going to be in the city, uh, uh, Stephen? I'm going to be doing a few things. So this weekend I'll be in Rockford, uh, and there's a museum in Rockford called the Burpee Museum of Natural History. It's actually one of the great natural history museums, not only in the Midwest, but, but in the entire country. They have some amazing dinosaurs on display, and Every year, uh, for over two decades now, they've had a, a weekend event called Paleo Fest uh, this time of year, and they have speakers from all over the country, even all over the world, that come in, scientists that are at the cutting edge of paleontology and new dinosaur discoveries. So I'm going to be speaking there on uh, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, uh, and my wife, Anne, who wrote uh, the kids' book, Doogie the Dinosaur, uh, will also be there talking. Uh, and then we'll be doing uh, a talk. I'll be doing one, of course, in Ottawa, back home on Monday, and then on Tuesday in Champaign at the University of Illinois, I'll be giving a talk about dinosaurs. So when I come home, I really try to pack, <laughs> pack the talks in. A rock the size of Mount Everest hit Earth a zillion years ago, and you described it as the worst day in Earth's history. I don't want to spend a lot of time on it, but I mean, it was the game changer. Can you just tell us what that moment probably was like? The whole history of life hinged on that moment, and it was a totally random thing. Uh, just imagine, say, one Thursday morning, <laughs> 66 million years ago, you're a dinosaur, you're a T-Rex. T-Rex was alive then. Uh, there were dinosaurs living in Illinois then, and they would have had no idea what was about to happen. They had no idea that one instant, this rock, six miles wide, hurtling through the cosmos at like 20 times the speed of a speeding bullet, it could have gone anywhere, but it made a beeline for the Earth, and it smashed into what is now Mexico. It released over one billion nuclear bombs worth of energy. It punched a hole in the Earth more than 100 miles wide. You can still see that crater down near Cancun in Mexico, uh, and everything would change from that moment. It, it immediately unleashed earthquakes, tsunamis, fires. It was carnage, bedlam. And the dinosaurs couldn't cope. The dinosaurs had been ruling the world for 100 million years or more. And they could not handle that sudden moment of destruction. But some of our ancestors, these furry little mammals, just the size of mice and rats, they stared down that asteroid. They survived. They were small. They were adaptable. They could hide. And it's because they were able to endure that we're here today. So are we then the ancestors as human beings of those furry little animals? We are the descendants of those little survivors, and they were humble little animals. They were these little things that lived underfoot of the dinosaurs. They came out mostly at night. They had to dig burrows and scurry around so they wouldn't get stepped on by T-Rexes and Triceratopses. But because they were so good at enduring, so good at adapting, that helped get them through that worst moment, that worst day in the history of Earth when that asteroid unexpectedly fell from the heavens. When it hit then, it wipes out the dinosaurs. If it hadn't hit, would the dinosaurs be here today? If that asteroid, let's say it was a near miss, 
It just rustled the upper layers of the atmosphere. It whizzed right on by the Earth. We would surely not be having this conversation. The whole history of life would have turned out differently, and probably the dinosaurs would still be here because when the asteroid hit, the dinosaurs had already been around for like 150 million years. They were utterly dominant. They had developed into the biggest animals to ever live on the Earth up to that point. Some of them had developed feathers and wings and took to the skies as the ancestors of birds. And then there were T-Rexes, the biggest meat eaters that have ever lived in the whole history of the Earth. The dinosaurs were firmly in control until that asteroid hit. So I have no reason to believe that the dinosaurs would have lost their crown if that asteroid didn't hit. And mammals, therefore, would have never really had the opportunity to take over from the dinosaurs. Is there any chance something like that will happen again? That asteroid, that was no normal asteroid. So we shouldn't be too afraid. This was the biggest asteroid that's hit the Earth in at least the last half a billion years. This was no normal Thursday morning or whenever it was. Uh, But, of course, there's asteroids that are out there uh, hurtling around outer space. But we have a pretty good handle on them. And I'm very confident that if an asteroid like that was headed our way, uh, we could do something about it. That's what sets us apart from the dinosaurs. The dinosaurs had no idea. They didn't have the brain power to contemplate the motions of the heavens. They didn't know an asteroid was bearing down on them. And even if they did, they couldn't do anything about it. But I'm pretty confident that we could and that we would. Do you worry about climate change? Wouldn't it be a shame if So we survive the asteroid and the dinosaurs aren't here, and then we just screw it up anyway. What are your thoughts about that generally? Absolutely. I mean, the Earth right now is changing very quickly. Climates and environments are are changing very fast. We see that with the the rise in temperature um, that's that's really accelerating. We see that with just more extreme weather, with the wildfires and floods that are just happening with increased frequency. Now, you know, all of these things have happened before. That's why we study fossils. We want to understand how the earth works and how the earth has changed over time. And the fossils of dinosaurs and ancient mammals and and so on, they're the clues that tell us that. And, And so we know from fossils, the earth has gotten warm before. There have been other times of global warming. There have been other times when the sea levels have shifted. But what's happening now is happening really fast, much faster than at any time we know of in the history of the Earth. And of course, what's happening now is it's happening to us. It's happening to an Earth that we are part of. So, of course, I'm concerned about climate and environmental change. At the same time, I know from studying fossils and studying evolution that we are a sublime species. We as humans are the smartest things that have ever lived on this planet. We have consciousness. We have the ability to understand our world and what we're doing to our world. So I'm very optimistic that we can confront those challenges. I'm glad. I'll borrow your optimism then. Do you have a favorite creature, be it a mammal that survived or a dinosaur that didn't? Is there one that fascinates you the most or you like writing about the most? I love basically any kind of fossil, um, but of course I play favorites. Um, I I really am an enthusiast for dinosaurs and mammals. To me, T-Rex is one of the most fascinating animals that ever lived. It deserves all the hyperbole that it gets. This was an animal the size of a city bus. Uh, It weighed seven or eight tons. It had a head the size of a bathtub. It had 50 railroad spike teeth that it used to literally crush the bones of its prey. So T-Rex is fascinating. But the other ones that are very fascinating are the big long-necked dinosaurs, the ones like Brontosaurus. Uh, These were the biggest animals that have ever lived on land in the entire history of the Earth. Some of them got to be heavier 
than Boeing 737 airplanes. Honestly, it's, it's incredible. And these are the dinosaurs uh, that are the focus of the kids' book that you mentioned, Doogie the Dinosaur, that my wife Anne wrote. So she's a children's book author, and uh, she wrote up this story. We had this fun idea to collaborate together that she would write this story for kids, and I would do the fact-checking and make sure the dinosaurs were accurate, and we based the story in Scotland uh, because I find dinosaurs in Scotland. It's a big part of my job, so we've used some of the dinosaurs that we found, which are some of these giant long-necked dinosaurs that lived in the Jurassic period, 170 million years ago, back when Scotland was a subtropical island, if you could believe something so crazy. Any of you that have ever been to Scotland, I think it's unfathomable to yeah. think about you yeah. know, the moors of Scotland and the golf courses of Scotland being in the tropics. But, uh, but it was like that back then. There were magnificent dinosaurs that lived there. And this book that Anne wrote uh, was a whole lot of fun, giving this story of the real dinosaurs that once lived uh, in Scotland. Doogie the Dinosaur, Scotland's Sauropod, as well as your books, The um, Rise and Reign of the Mammals and The Rise and Fall of the Dinosaurs. Both of those are on my bedstand. It's, um, it's always just fascinating reading, and you're right. It's a, it's a science book that's for all of us, and I suspect the same is true for your wife's book as well. So have a great time on March 6th in Ottawa at the bookstore there. And if folks want to reach you or find out more, what's a good website for, for you, Stephen? I'm easy to find. I'm the only person in the world, I think, that has my name. <laughs> this Italian-American name I get from my dad. So you can find Steve Brasati online. I'm on Twitter. I'm on Instagram and so on. But check, check me out online, and you can see information about the talks in Rockford this weekend, the talk in Ottawa uh, on Monday, the talk in Champaign at the University of Illinois on Tuesday. My email is also easy to find on my University of Edinburgh website. So please, anybody who's listening, uh, if you want more details on those talks or on the books I've written or on the book that uh, Anne wrote, uh, please, please do drop me a message. Brusati is spelled B-R-U-S-A-T-T-E, Stephen Brusati, Ottawa's very own. Stephen, I'm a fan, as you can tell, and uh, thank you for writing and uh, to your wife for doing what she's doing, and um, I hope we can visit again. Come into the city sometime. We'll, we'll meet you in the studio as well. Thank you, John, and I'm a fan, too. I've always loved WGN, and it's a real a joy. It always is when I get a chance to connect with people back home, so thank you very much.